As you make your way back to your seats or taking your seats, if you could be opening your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. So <clears throat> it's great to be together this morning and uh, super excited about my message today. And, uh, but before we get into that, I would like to uh, say hello to Andrew Steinhauser. Uh, Andrew is back just for today. But like the prodigal son has returned, though he hasn't been, you know, eating uh, in the pig's pen. He's been doing great. Uh, but Andrew, it's so good to see you. We love you. We're so proud of you. Andrew was baptized here at the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire and uh, just did awesome and has gone on to get a great job in Minnesota, And uh, uh, but is, misses us and is back to see us. And Andrew, we miss you and so very proud of you. So awesome. Uh, I was, I'll be honest, I was a little disappointed you got a job so quickly because I thought maybe you would get a job back in Eau Claire and you could be with us, but God's in control and I'm, I'm happy for you, okay? So, okay, well, believe it or not, I have gotten some complaints lately. Yep, I know it's hard to believe, but I've gotten some complaints specifically. They've been complaints about the sermons. I'm, that's true, I'm not, I'm not fibbing you. Uh, it has been complaints about the sermons, and the complaints have been that the sermons are going too short. <laughs> too short. And so therefore, being the incredible uh, listening leader that I am, I just want everyone to be happy, right? And so today's sermon should not go more than two to three hours. I mean, we should be time and done for the Packer game at 3.30. Because, you know, I'm a sensitive type to Packer fans. Okay, so anyways, no, we won't. Is he serious? I saw a few, like, panicked looks. Um, no, we're not serious. It won't go that long. But I will say this. Uh, I have a habit of having so much to say that I tend to kind of rush through everything. And I'm going to try not to do that. I read the book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and I am going to attempt to ruthlessly eliminate hurry through this text. And the reason is because this text is so rich in speaking and explaining about the results of what it means to be justified by faith, that it's not worth it. It's not worth it to rush through it. We're just going to slow down. We're going to engage our minds, our hearts into the text. We're going to rely on the Spirit to do a work in us. Amen? To do a work in us and to get just a little bit more uh, the book of Romans. And God gets, hopefully, not just a little bit more of our hearts, but all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen? So let's go ahead and pray for this time. Father, we are so thankful <clears throat> to be able to come and to worship you. You are a glorious God. You are our Father. You are our King. You are Lord. Jesus, we worship you as our Savior. Uh, thank you for going all the way through the cross into death and through the power of your Spirit was raised to life and that you live today. And you walk amongst our church, like it says in the book of Revelation. You're walking amongst us. You're here. You're listening not to just what we say, but you're listening to our hearts, our minds. Your spirit is active. And I pray, Father, that you do a work this morning. Father, I pray that you, your spirit, engaged with your holy word, that it quickens our souls, that we learn but more than what we learn, we experience who you are, what it means to be justified by faith, the peace, in the path to peace, the way of peace. Help us to receive that by grace. Be with me. Please get me out of the way. There's, there's no human flesh that could give justice to the richness of this message. And yet, I pray for grace that you will somehow put the words in my mouth that could not explain fully, but just scrape the surface of 
the glory of you, the glory of this message. We love you, Father, and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yesterday was the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. Up until that time in my life, we had known relative peace in the United States. Matter of fact, I think that was the only attack on the contiguous 58 states. So outside of Pearl Harbor, I think that was the only attack by a foreign nation ever. And I, like Phil, remember exactly where I was when I found out the news. And the, 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 what I did the rest of that day, we didn't have any kids. Christy was pregnant with Jackson. Jackson was a, about a month away. And uh, it's just so etched in our minds, I think partly because the experience of a lack of national peace in our homeland was a brand new one. And there was fear, there was anxiety, but as we think back on that, we were violently reminded that we live in a world that does not know peace. National peace racial peace, religious peace, relational peace, familial peace, internal peace, and spiritual peace. But I have good news today because we know that Jesus entered this violently anxious world and had a message for us. And his message was peace to you. Peace to you a time when the disciples were experiencing so much doubt and anxiety and trouble. Jesus' opening line is, peace to you. This is similar to what he communicated to the sinful woman in Luke chapter 7, as she was accused by the Pharisees and judged and looked down on, and yet she came confidently to Jesus, and Jesus uh, uh, forgave her and And he says to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. In Luke chapter 8, 48, with the bleeding woman. Similarly, he healed her and he says, your faith has made you well. Depart in peace. So we see that into violent, overwhelmingly, and frightening, whether it be circumstances, whether it be waves of doubt, physical waves, sins, Physical and emotional trauma in our world, Jesus brought and can bring today peace into our lives. In Luke 19, verse 41, Jesus, turn that on, that helps. Jesus, uh, as he uh, was in his final days of his ministry and was approaching the city of Jerusalem, deeply loving the people. It says, when he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace. If only you had known the peace that I have, not only within me, but my message, my love, the peace that you could experience in this day. If only you had known But you've missed it. You missed the message of peace. And so you go on in violent uh, anxiety and a lack of peace. The good news is no matter how peaceless our world, external or internal, becomes, because of Christ and his gospel, we can receive, experience, and share the peace of God. Amen? We can have this peace. Romans chapter 5 is where we're at, and we're in the study of Romans. And I believe that the Holy Spirit uh, worked in Paul's mind, and Paul really teaches us here what could it be possibly what Jesus had in mind when he says, oh, if you would know the way of peace. And so the title of our sermon today is Knowing Peace. Amen? Amen. We're going to read this text. I'm going to read it all at once, but I'm going to try to read it slowly because we got nothing else to do today, guys, than to enjoy and absorb and scratch the surface of this incredibly beautiful message. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. 
is all that Dustin gave me. He said, we're going to limit you. The rest of us will do a whole chapter, but you just get a little portion here uh, because, you know, I'll finish up next week and clean up, you know, what you left behind. Which, by the way, just side note, are not our young preachers doing an amazing job preaching God's Word? Amen? Dustin and Eli, I mean, I'm not, I'll be honest with you. I'll be completely open, okay? I felt a little intimidated this week, <laughs> preaching after that sermon from Eli last week. Uh, uh, but, you know, but I have peace with Jesus, amen? And so I have nothing more to prove uh, to you. I am who I am, and you know it, and you love me, so we get what we get, and we don't throw a fit, amen? <laughs> okay, so Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, now what's therefore? Now if you have a therefore in the text, you got to ask, what do you ask? What's it there for? Amen? And so you got so yeah, I told you it's going to be a long sermon, right? We got one word. What's it there for? So this is, Paul is starting to conclude the doctrine of justification by faith. Romans 1 is the thesis. Rome, the end of Romans 1 through 3 is that we're all sinful. The pagans are sinful. The religious are sinful. The good people, especially those who think they're good, they're sinful. We've all sinned and we've all fallen short and we are in desperate need of a Savior. Why? Because the wrath of God, which is real, is what we deserve. And there's nothing we can do within ourselves to save ourselves from that wrath. Nothing. No law-keeping, no goodness, no morality will save us from the wrath of God. And so we're left needing a Savior. And that good news is Romans chapter 3, but now, apart from law, there's a Savior that's coming. Amen? And there's a way, as Nikki read, God made a way, and the way is through the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus offered himself as a propitiatory propitiatory sacrifice, a substitutionary atonement. And it's through his blood that not only we are forgiven, but we are therefore enter into the presence of a holy God. Amen? Okay, so that's three. And then chapter four, it's like this news is so good, you're not going to believe it. And so Paul spends chapter 4 saying, actually, it's always been justification by faith. Let's talk about Abraham. Let's talk about David to you Jewish skeptics. Okay? So he convinced us that this has always been true. And now chapter 5 is like, so here are some of the results. Here's some of the fruits of what we can know and experience. Amen? Okay, so therefore... Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who was given to us, for while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though for perhaps for the good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved 
from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by or in his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Knowing the things that make for peace. Point number one is that what makes for peace today is that we are justified by faith. Verse one, therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Okay? Justification by law-keeping, justification by national identity, justification by church attendance or membership, justification by um, being good, produces no peace. This is what the Apostle Paul experienced. He tried going the way of perfection. He tried going the way of law-keeping. He tried being a Jew of Jews, and yet he was so filled with anxiety and bitterness and rage and anger that he was murdering those who claimed to follow Jesus. Now, I've gotten mad, like in traffic or in the parking lot before, um, uh, stemming from, you know, a lack of peace, and yet... I don't know if I've ever gotten to the place where I just, I'm going I'm to kill that guy, right? Okay? Um, okay, so, so Paul went that way, and there was no peace. So justified by grace through faith, okay? So we're justified by faith. We've reviewed the doctrine of justification. If you think that you are contributing in any way to your own justification, then you need to go back and read the first four chapters. Because you don't. I don't. It's not just, I do all this good stuff, and then Jesus makes for, Jesus' blood makes up for what I lack. But I do most of it. Nope. You don't even do 1% of it. It is all Jesus by grace through faith. Amen? And even our faith is a gift from God. Now, we're not going to go Calvinistic because we do have a choice. And in our faith, we make choices. Amen? Having said that, be careful, O Arminians, that you do not rely on your choices to merit justification. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, go read a few commentaries on this and, and you'll be clued in, okay? Uh, who is Arminia? Who? Is that a gene type or what's going on there, okay? That's okay. All right. So, Point number one is justification by faith. Point number two is standing in grace. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, Jesus isn't Savior if he's not Lord, King, Master. You can't have the Savior part of Jesus without having the Lord part of Jesus. I bought into that for 20 years. I like being saved. I just didn't like, I just want to do whatever I wanted to do. If Jesus ain't Lord of all, he's not Lord at all, and you're not saved. Okay? Standing in grace. Uh, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into the grace in which we stand. I'm going to leave that up there, so if you tune out for what I'm saying, you can just absorb the word. Okay? But standing in grace, grace is often defined as unmerited favor. It's, it, it tries. It's certainly... So much more than that. But I do think we get confused when we think of grace as just about the forgiveness of our sin. No, mercy is what when we don't receive what we deserve. That's the mercy of God. But God just doesn't give us mercy. And it's like, oh, I'll bring you up to neutral and then, you know, I just, let's just call it a day. He gives us grace. It's, it's favor that we don't deserve. There was a brother talking about the other day, God's grace is so amazing, but I just don't feel like I deserve it. And I'm like, that, that's like the definition of grace, right? I mean, I get it. I wasn't, I get it. We don't, we don't deserve it. Of course, that's why it's grace, okay? Um, it's receiving what we do not deserve. 
the presence of God, the goodness of God, the favor of God, the blessings of God, none of those things. The life in your soul today, the breath, you don't deserve it. Oh, you, why do you deserve life? Did you invent yourself? You didn't, you had, you had nothing to do with the start of you, okay? You are a gift of God, okay? Um, so the realm, so we have access, we've obtained our introduction into this grace in which we stand. So we have access into the realm of grace. It's not just the, pres- the forgiveness of our sins. There's so much more. I used to feel like, oh, I'm forgiven anyway, so whatever. And I was missing the whole kingdom of God, the whole intimacy, the whole good, the whole peace. Um, but it's also the rule of grace. So grace is like this. I love going up to Lake Superior because it's so big, right? And the amount of water right there. And sometimes we, we, we're in this hopscotch grace. Like, oh, I do good, I get grace. Oh, I send out of grace. Oh, like if I have a quiet time, grace. Not a quiet, you know, we get in and out and we have this thin ice, like tiptoe, like, ooh, I hope I tiptoe on the ice just in the right spot. <laughs> you know, breaks through. It's a whole realm. It's the depths. It's the heights. Anything that you could think of. Go out at night and see the stars, the billions of galaxies. And, it, and the grace would extend beyond the depths, the width, the, the height. It's, it's, you, we're swimming in it. It's like the air. Like, oh, I hope I get enough oxygen to finish this sermon. No, it's outside the mind. Of, it's, you're in the realm of grace. Amen? That should bring peace. But it's not just, you know, sunflowers and daisies that it's, it, grace rules in our hearts. Romans 6 verse, verse 14 says, for sin shall not be master over you, but you are not, for you are not under law, but under grace. The rule of grace means grace has authority in your life. It has transforming and motivating power in your life. It just doesn't make up for what you lack. It absorbs it so much into you that it rules. There's so much grace here, guys, that we should be leaving these next two sermons thinking, well, why even be righteous if there's so much sin or if there's so much grace? Why even be righteous? That's exactly what Paul answers the question because that's what we should be asking. Okay? And then 6, 7, 8, and on. Okay? Um, but it rules. Paul says this grace was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all the rest, but not out of I'm meriting favor with God. It's out of I've been given favor with God, and I'm so thankful. I want to talk about grace in a little bit more personal way. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. I'm going to share a little bit about how I've experienced some grace over a few uh, years and how it's changed me, okay? But I want to read this, standing in sufficient grace. I added a word, sufficient, because great, God's grace is sufficient for us. 2 Corinthians 12, 7, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. Um, and we all pray this prayer, right? Oh, if this boss would change, you know. Um, if this coworker, if this friend would act, if this child, if this spouse, if this whatever, right? If the Vikings would ever win a Super Bowl in my 50 years of life, then I could have some peace, especially around those Packer fans, okay? My grace, and, but, but God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I, would, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, insults, distresses, persecutions, difficulties for Christ's sake, Christ's sake for, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Grace is such a difficult concept that really it takes experiencing it to kind of get it in a deeper level of our souls. Are you with me there? Um, you know, when I was studying the Bible back in 1992, 
I was convinced that I was a good person. And I had my list of goodness. But as I studied the Bible, I saw that there was a dark side to even my goodness. Okay? And I agreed that I was a sinner. And I was repented and I was baptized into Christ. And God's grace was sufficient for me. Amen? And there's a part of us that when we get baptized, we just think like, here's, here's if we've got a, a, a graph, like an XY graph, here's time and here's just goodness, all happy good things. It's like, it's, it's like a linear, maybe it's a, it's a, 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 a what's that car called? Exponential curve, even better. It's just free and easy, okay? And it is so not that way because, well, we'll get into that later, okay? Um, but then I, I discovered that even though I was a disciple, I was a weak disciple. And I struggled with my purity, and I struggled with deceit, and I struggled with selfish ambition. And everything that I struggled with before, I was still struggling with. Now, I was, there was times where I would make progress, but I was still struggling. But I remember sitting in Perkins in Edina after I had been sinned so devastatingly that they fired me from being a campus Matter of fact, I was sinning so much that not only did I get let go of being in the ministry, I let, let, I, they put me as, the head, as a head usher. And I flubber-rubbered that up so much so that they're like, we just don't feel good about you being a head usher anymore. So I was like, you know, you hear what I'm saying? Okay, so that, that does something to you, right? Because these are spiritual things. And I can't handle showing people their seats, okay, um, to their seats. That was a little weird. To their seats, okay. But I remember praying. It's like, listen, by grace I was saved when I became a Christian. And you know what? By grace I am saved today. And so even today, even though I can't lead and I can't ush, and I can't hardly do anything good as a disciple. I am saved by grace, and His grace is sufficient for me, and I had peace. Amen? Amen. And then I got married, and I saw all of my sinful nature brought into my marriage. And I was just a horrible husband. Disrespectful judgments. Come on, you need to do better. And I was, I was like the law incarnate to my poor wife, okay? And she was discouraged, and, and I was just telling her to get over it. In all this kinds of stuff, and I remember a moment where she said, I feel like you're more in love with your fantasy of me than me. And I just, it just broke me. It just, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And she says, I forgive you. In, my, in God's grace, in Christie's grace, is sufficient for me. Amen? And I've, we've been married 25 years, so it's still sufficient. Okay, um, a weak leader. I already started about getting fired. Remember, they, for some reason, by God's grace, they rehired me. And then I went to Omaha to lead the church. And I was 30 years old. And I felt so lost, so disoriented, so overwhelmed, so completely failing. I remember the emotions I was feeling was, I am a complete and total failure. I don't, shouldn't, shouldn't be a leader. I'm only hurting people. I don't even know if I'm a Christian. But I went out on a retreat. I carved out some time. I got to go work this out. And it was June 2nd, 2004. I have it written in my old Bible. In Isaiah chapter 41. And God's grace came upon me and says, listen, you got a ways to go as a, as a leader. Listen, yeah, it's, it's tough, isn't it? But you are my son with whom I am well pleased, whom I will never forsake. Amen? And God's grace was sufficient and I came back in peace. And even as a leader, guys, honestly, in my heart of hearts, I'll be open with you. I so often wish I could be a better leader for you. You, I, you this is what I'm saying? I wish there's a country song by Willie Nelson. Uh, of course there is. But you're always on my mind. You're always on my mind. But it's your grace that's been sufficient. Amen? God's grace and your grace. You know, I remember as a, as a son, I was just such a bad son to my dad. I got bitter, and I said, whatever, and I went off my own way. 
And I remember going back to my dad and apologizing. I've been a, I've been a distant, critical, self-righteous son, and I'm, I'm sorry. He says, I forgive you. I love you. I remember talking to my sister, and I had the same thing with her. I remember we were sharing about um, some, I was sharing about some friends, and we were at a campfire. You know, we had one of those sharing sessions that we do, encouragement, and there was a couple friends, and as I reflected on how amazing friends they were, I thought, you, I shared that you have been a far better friend to me than I have ever been to you. And they just kind of smiled and like, we're actually happy that you finally see that. No, they didn't say that. <laughs> they said, we love you, we forgive you, whatever. And then I, with my kids, I still remember talking. When you're a parent, there's no greater place than when you need grace. I remember talking to Jordan one night, and I've had this talk with all the kids. I've already had it with Jayana. Uh, but I remember talking with Jordan one time at bedtime, and I just said, Jordan, I'm sorry that Daddy made these mistakes. I said, will you still love me even if I fail as a dad or am a weak dad? Something like that. And she did, what did she do? She said, mm, let me think about it. What is a child, oh, Daddy, you know, huggy and kissy and right it's by grace every 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 task every role every hat it's only by grace right but as you as you experience those things this is why stop fighting so much that you're sinful or weak stop fighting it because when you let yourself see it then you can experience god's grace and paul says in first Corinthians 15 it's by god's grace i am what I am, and I stand before you today, it is only by God's grace that I am what I am, and we are what we are, and you are what you are, amen? Um, grace doesn't make up for what we lack. It makes us who we are, who we are, standing in grace. Number three, exalting in hope, exalting in hope. Therefore, okay, we're just, we're, we're getting to the end of verse two, um, into this grace in which we stand and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. Exalting in hope. I want to talk about this a little bit. This is, this is kind of a little bit more obscure, so I want to explain this and teach this a little bit more. What does the word exalt mean? It could mean rejoicing in hope or boasting in hope. I don't know what your version, how it translated, but the, its essence is exceedingly great joy. Okay, exceedingly great joy. So then the question is, well, in what do we find exceedingly great joy? The answer to that question is the answer of what you put your hope in. Okay, so whatever your heart is looking to that exceedingly great joy, our hearts are a hopeful, our souls are hopeful. They're hopeful, they're, they're made to hope in, to desire something. Are you with me? Okay, so whatever that object is, that is what you're placing your hope in, in biblical language. Okay? So, um, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So when we lack peace, there's hope that's been deferred or disappointed. It makes the heart sick. We don't have peace. We don't have joy. Um, so when we're experiencing this, it's an opportunity to examine, hmm, into what am I placing my hope? Okay, so that's exalting. Now he says, we hope, we hope of glory. Okay, the hope in, we exalt in hope of the glory of God. What does that mean? Okay, the glory of God, revelation, is when we see that in the, in the, in time, in, in the age to come, God will no longer be veiled that the veil will be lit and we will see God. And we will hit our knees and we will worship in the glory of God. There will be no need for a sun. There will be no need for because the glory of God will light. Amen? It's, uh, it's, it's hard to put English words to the glory of God. But we will receive it. That's why in Revelation they worship worthy to receive glory, honor, and power. But there's another glory that we're more uncomfortable with. Guess what glory that is? It's the glory of you and me. It's the glory 
of the church. You want to, you want to, uh, what's that? That sounds prideful. No, no, no. It's not prideful. Listen, Romans 8, verse 30 says, uh, He called, those He also called, those whom He called, He also justified. And these whom He justified, He also just humiliated so they wouldn't get prideful. <laughs> he glorified. We are headed to glory. Not just to behold God's glory, but to become God's glory in us through the Spirit. Amen? Are you looking forward to that? Uh, the hope of glory. And uh, that's, that's enough. But you say, wait a second. All this peace, joy, hope. What about the pain that I feel right now? What about how I don't feel it? I'm not experiencing it. I'm struggling. My heart is breaking over a sick child or the loss of a child. My heart is breaking over the loss of a spouse through divorce or cancer or disappointment or failure or trouble, distress. I don't experience this peace. So how do I take this, all this thing, which sounds great, and put it into my messy world. This is why Paul says, he, 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 he says, back to Romans 5, he, now wait a second, before we talk about that, well that's easy for Paul to say, because his life was just easy peasy. His life was just all peaches and cream. Everything went great for Paul. I mean, his marriage was great. His kids all became disciples. And he had no physical anguish like I do. And he just planted churches, and they all just did awesome. And they all just, oh, thank you, Paul. Right? And it just went, there's the graph, just oh, for Paul. But Paul doesn't know my life. No, Paul doesn't speak at tribulation. He speaks from tribulation. Romans 5, it says, knowing that tribulation, but we also, excuse me, let me back up. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, perseverance, proven character, proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint. Okay, we got to stop right there. Hope through tribulation. Okay. When we talk about pain, we got to speak very carefully. We all have tribulation. We all have suffering. But only you in God know in detail your pain. Does that make sense? You know your pain, but even those closest to you will never know it or feel it the way you do. And what we can do sometimes is we can dismiss the hope offered from the message because we feel like, well, they don't know my pain or they haven't experienced my pain. Does that make sense? So I would just caution us as we think about this, don't dismiss the hope offered here because you feel like maybe Joel doesn't, or someone else who's trying to be the messenger doesn't understand your pain, okay? So tribulation, there is a Christian hope. There's a, a Christian, a biblical worldview way of how we narrate trouble, trials, hardship. Hebrews 12, James 1, Romans 5. There's others, but these are three central ones. And they all sound something similar to this. Um, we, first of all, there's exalting in them. There's exceedingly joy over really bad trouble. What planet do you live on? But there's a reason. When we have peace with God, we have hope. Now listen, think about this idea of hope. He started with hope. Now when we carry hope into our trouble, okay, then it says, Trouble, which is to be expected, but when we have trouble, the God of comfort can come alongside us. Amen? So the love of God, which we're going to talk about in a minute, is active in our pain. 
it brings perseverance. So perseverance just means just keep rolling, just keep grinding, just keep pushing, just keep swimming, right? You just, just got to just, just do one more step, one foot in front of the other. Perseverance is kind of a grinded out type of, type of word, but there's something that happens as we keep persevering. And by the way, it's not fun. It's not uh, 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 thrilling. It doesn't feel good to persevere. It's just what we're called to do. And when, as we persevere, there can be healing that comes along. There's strength that God provides in our moments of need. And there's the presence. So Paul would communicate in 2 Timothy chapter 4 when everyone had deserted him, just like everyone had deserted Jesus. All of us are going to have all of our friends completely fall down as friends, probably many points in our lives. It's just the way it goes. I'll get into love in a minute, okay? But there's a character that's developed, and it says here in the NASB, proven character. The word is like tempered, and I did a little study on what it means to the process of tempering steel. But this process was going on in this era. Wikipedia says so. It was going on then, okay? So Paul is something, but the process of tempering, listen to this, uh, it's the precise control of time and temperature during the tempering process is crucial to achieve the desired balance of physical properties. So we've all heard that, you know, you heat up gold and the purities come out and you scrape it off. We all heard that, right? Okay, but this is a different process. This is where you take steel and you heat it up and then you cool it down. And then you heat it up, and then you cool it down. And depending on what material is in, and depending on what use you're tempering it for, is the precise control of those temperatures. Does that make sense? So when, when God says these tribulations, which produces perseverance, and as you persevere, it tempers your character, God is in control of the amount of pain and comfort. Pain, comfort. Release of, release of thorn in your flesh? Nope. You're gonna, it's going to stick in there for a while, okay? God is it's like, what, what kind of a cruel God is that? It's, it's love because Hebrews 12 says that anyone whom God accepts as a child, he disciplines and he trains to re- have a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained or tempered by it, okay? So this is a way to narrate. And by the way, when you're in the middle of pain, oftentimes we feel like, if I hear one more sermon on James 3, Hebrews 12, Romans 5, but when you're not in pain, we can be prepared. This is how we're going to narrate the pain when it comes. And then it leads to hope. We started with hope, exalting in God's glory, and we're going to be glorified. And yet we'll, we'll have trouble in this world, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So we have, we're ended with Christian hope. Amen? Okay, and lastly, filled with love. Filled with love. Okay, I'm going to kind of go through this quick. Dustin may pick up where we leave off. Um, But filled with love. Let's read the text. It says, hope does not disappoint. Why does hope not disappoint? Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. The love of God. Okay? Okay. and in, in then verse 6 through 11, actually, Dustin, maybe you pick up there. I'll give you some. That's, but I'll just touch on it here, okay? But 6 through 11 talks about the timing of it. So as I was preparing this, I was listening to, well, I wasn't listening. It came on the radio at Starbucks. Oh, Whitney Houston. How do I know if he really loves me, right? So how do we know if God really loves us? Well, Paul uses a time argument. He says, listen, if he loved you back then on the cross, he demonstrated it, not when you were good, not when you were doing awesome, not when you were super lovable, uh, not when you were good looking, not when you were charming, but when you were an object of wrath. Because of your sin, you were helpless, you were an object of wrath, and you were an enemy. You were an enemy. Again, where's Paul going with this? He's trying to get the Jews and the Gentiles who are enemies to get along and be one and be at peace with one another. Ephesians, right? Nikki read it, okay? And so we got to be able to, you got to understand, how do I get along with these enemy Gentiles? 
Well, God figured out a way to get along with you. When you were my enemy and an object of wrath. Don't ever try to minimize wrath. Our culture wants, oh, God, that's just the Old Testament. No, the wrath of God is real. And if you're an enemy, if you're not in Christ, it is headed your way. It's going to be in little portions as you live, and it's going to be in big portion on Judgment Day. If you are outside of Christ, you are an object of wrath. And if you don't think that's true, then you are deceived. You better get yourself into Christ in an urgent way or you're going to go to hell. And our church will always teach we're not going to be pluralistic. We're not going to go with the culture. We're not going to say Muslims are saved. We're not going to say atheists are saved if they're sincere. We're not going to say Hindus are saved. We're going to say only those who are in Christ will be saved. End of discussion. So therefore, let's get about the mission. Are you with me? And if you don't like that message, that's too narrow for you. If that's too exclusive to you, it's better for you just to go now than when the time of trouble comes and it's going to get a lot harder. Right? You study it out. That's what it says. Okay. But this, is, that's, this isn't about that. Okay? This is about the love of God, which actually, when it overcomes the wrath of God, is shown all the greater. Okay. So, oh boy. We're certainly not hurrying through this message, are we? The love of God, it's, <clears throat> you're never going to be filled by human love, ever. Human love is limited, it's conditional, it's tainted, and it works from the outside in. All human love, the best of human loves. This is one of the struggles in our marriage, marriages, because we start hoping in them to be what really only God can be. And so this is why you too says we still haven't found what we're looking for. This is why Mick J. See, we got young preachers anymore, so I don't have to quote young songs that I think are weird. Okay? We got Mick Jagger who says, I can't get no satisfaction, and he still can't. Okay? But I wanted to choose a country song because we believe country's the Lord's music. And so Johnny Lee, did I say we? I meant me. Johnny Lee sang, looking for love. Where? Looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for love in too many faces. Hoping to find, I got to catch up, a friend and a lover. I'll bless the day I discover another heart. Looking for nub. Looking for love. Okay, you want to play that? Okay. Should we dare? Okay, okay, that's enough. All right. Okay. It is by grace that we are saved. Okay. But divine love, it's unlimited. It's unconditional. It's completely pure, which it's, it's completely and only for its object's good. This is why human love, we want to love each other, but we want to do it from a center of God's love, not on a dependence of love in return. So it's of God, it's poured out, it's, it's active, it's ongoing, it's continual, it's perfect, but it's by the Holy Spirit. And this is an important point. Being filled with the love of God is from the Holy Spirit, which we receive in baptism, and it lives within us. It is a spiritual thing. It's not only a psychological thing. You can't just go to counseling, though I love counseling. I think well, all of us should go to counseling. You can't just go to counseling and get your love issues worked out. It's not just psychological. It's not just human. Once I just finally find the person who loves me the right way, it's not just emotional, it's spiritual. That's why if you're not very spiritual, you're never going to be filled with love. I still sit down and talk to people, well, how's it going reading your Bible? Mm. How's it going with your prayer life? Mm. How's it going on your, doing your spiritual treats? Mm. It's like, well, let's start being spiritual. Let's start there. 
and then we add to it these other things. Amen? Because it is a spirit thing, and it's within our hearts. We're filled from within, not from without. That way, that way it can flow to our neighbor, our brother, and it can flow to our enemy. Enemy. Okay? Out of the treatment of others based on their treatment, if we love out of our treatment, if we base our treatment of others based on their treatment of us, it reveals our basis of dependence on and conditions under which we give and receive love. Even the pagans do that. Even the pagans love those who love them. So as we face our different mask views, our different vaccine views, our different political views, our different race views, our different church views, our different sermon length views, can we love one another based off the love of the Spirit filled in our hearts and we give to others? Amen? And it's proven in time. That's what Dustin's going to preach about next week. The, the gist, though, is that if God loved us when we were objects of wrath, then how much more can we be confident in his love now that we're his children? Amen. His blessed, his delighted in children. Are you with me? Yeah. If he loved us then, our confidence is increased. Okay? Okay, conclusion. And we'll, be, we'll pray for communion. The world will rage because it doesn't know peace. But let us know peace. Peace with God. Peace with ourselves, which may be the hardest. Peace with one another. Because we're justified by faith, we stand in the realm and the rule of grace. We exalt in the hope of glory, even through tribulation, and we're filled with the spiritual love of God. Unlike Jerusalem, let not Christ lament over the Chippewa Valley Church's lack of knowing the things of peace, but rejoice. He will rejoice that his sacrifice was not in vain, but ushered us into his peace that passes understanding. I'm going to say a prayer, which is the prayer of Romans 15, verse 13. It's going to be a short prayer, and it's going to be the prayer that will take you into communion. Let's pray. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that we will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.